Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lisa H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, November 27th, 2017, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book, and we are on page XXVII in the doctor's opinion. We're beginning in the very last paragraph. Of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed. Reading through three paragraphs, ending in if they are to recreate their lives and commenting on all three paragraphs. Today's readers are Craig F. for the 12 Steps, Esther F. for the 12 Traditions, Allison L., and Elizabeth H. Our newcomer greeter is Penny C., and the host for the second hour is Nadia B. The reference number for yesterday, Sunday, November 26th, is 10714. Again, that's 10,714. Overeaters Anonymous, or OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Craig F. to please read the 12 steps. Craig, press star one. I can do that if he's not available. Okay. Okay, Janice, thanks. If you'll go ahead and read the 12 steps. Okay, good morning. This is Janice, um, and I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. These are always 12 steps. One. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Excuse me. Um, Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 
nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you so much, Janice. Um, I'll now ask Esther F. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted and please don't uh, use speaker phones. Today, we resume our study of the big book 
on page XXVII, the last paragraph beginning, of course, the alcoholic ought to be freed through three paragraphs ending in if they are to recreate their lives. And I'll now ask Allison L. to please get us started. Good morning. Thank you. I will. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor, and this often requires a definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. We believe, and so suggested a few years ago, that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. And once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. Frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. The message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. In nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. Setting my timer, again, this is Allison, Al Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio, and I'm going to focus in on um, this allergy and this craving. Um, It's stated so simply here, and I I tried to overcomplicate it and overthink it so many times because I didn't want to do um, exactly what it says. Um, so I had to check my my own history and think about, do I have some kind of allergy to certain foods, certain ingredients? Um, and so allergy can also mean, you know, it means an abnormal reaction. So did I have an abnormal reaction to certain foods, certain ingredients, certain, certain eating behaviors? And when I check my history, I realized, well, yeah, I, re- I behave very differently when I eat certain things um, differently than my husband, who's a normal um, eater. Um, so when we would sit and eat ice cream together at night, um, he would go to bed, but I would stay up and continue to eat more, even though you know I wasn't hungry. Um, I'd had plenty. <clears throat> I would do that. And it wasn't what I wanted to do. It was like this craving, this um, insatiable desire I had where I just had to get more. Um, and then the next morning, Um, My husband would get up, eat a normal breakfast, pack a normal lunch, and head off to work. But still having that substance in my body, I abnormally reacted by wanting more still the next day and continued that cycle, even as my mind told me, stop eating. You're going to gain weight. It doesn't even taste good. Put the food down. Um, I still, I couldn't stop, you know. Um, that's an abnormal reaction that I have to certain foods, certain ingredients, and certain certain eating behaviors. And so it tells me then, if I have that, then I must be freed from that physical craving before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. So that means I must put all of my allergic, alcoholic, binge foods and substances and behaviors down so that my mind can be clear, my body can be clear of this craving, this intense desire for more and more and more. I have to be freed from that before I can work the steps so that they can be beneficial, so they can bring about the spiritual awakening that's going to change me and free me from the mental obsession, which is my greater problem, which we'll talk about later in the readings. So once I identified, yes, I do have this allergy, this abnormal reaction, then it tells me clearly I must be at free from it. I can't have it in any form at all. doesn't matter if it's a holiday or my birthday or a vacation or home. Um, it doesn't matter. I can't have it. I have to be 
um, free from it in all forms. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Allison L. Um, and now who would like to share on what was read this morning? Madam. Mr. R. Mr. R. Andy C. Kim G. Melissa Janice M. Okay, I missed somebody. Sandy C. Okay, hang on. Barbara I missed somebody after Nessa R. Karen M. Karen M. Okay, let me tell you what I have. And then we'll take another. Um, I have Nessa R, Karen M, Matt M, Kim G, Melissa C, Janice M, and I think Sandy. Sandy C. Thank you, Sandy C. Okay, Nassar, you're up, followed by Karen M. Sorry, um, did you call Nessa R? I did, Nessa R. Go ahead. Okay, great. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for you. It's Nessa R, a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Uh, this is one of uh, five um, instances in the doctor's opinion where he categorically states that um, we must be abstinent, and not only just abstinent, but entirely abstinent before um, any other measures, including psychological measures, which he calls, um, I guess, maybe the steps, um, can be of any effect. And that's what we'll share before, because we suffer of an allergy, you know, of abnormal reaction to substances that are ingested into our body. And in my case, the, the allergy, the abnormal reactions are two. You know, a normal person gets a craving for a food before they eat the food. I get a craving after I eat the food. And the second abnormality is that once a normal person eats the food that they crave, that uh, craving is satisfied and they're done with it. But for me, um, after I eat, uh, my craving is not only not satisfied, but it is intensified, which guarantees that I'm going to go on a binge. Um, and, you know, like I, I, have a, I have a son who loves ice cream, and he might be in school, you know, thinking about having ice cream and having this huge craving, and he comes home, serves himself a bowl, and he's done with it. Whereas me, I may not be thinking about it at all, at all, at all, at all. When I come home and I see him eating, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll have a bite. And then the craving starts. But instead of being satisfied with my, let's say, bowl, I, I want more. And I get a second bowl. And then I want even more because the craving is intensified. And I want even more and more and more and more. And before I, I know it, the top is gone. So my son who had the craving the whole day only ate one bowl. Me, I didn't have a craving at all before I saw the ice cream, before I tasted the ice cream. Um, I just end up eating the whole lot. And you know what? It's, it, it's interesting because it's not very hard for, for us to understand why somebody who's hooked on drugs or alcohol has to be freed from it before they can undertake the steps. But when it comes to food, we make all sorts of excuses. Well, you know, it's very hard to get rid of uh, sugar entirely because there's sugar in everything. And, you know, but I only have this thing on, on weekends or I only have it once a year. Like we make all sorts of excuses for ourselves. I know I did that. And the result of that was that I wasn't able to recover. You know, the only time I, 
I was able to recover was when I said, okay, I'm done with it. You know, if I say I'm allergic to this food, I'm not going to have it at all, at all. You know, no matter how minuscule the amount, no matter how special the occasion, no matter that it's only once a year or once in every 10 years. It is so important because it is a mind-altering drug, uh, just like alcohol, just like drugs. And while we, our mind is altered, nothing else can really happen. Nothing else can really uh, take, take hold and, and help us recover. And that was certainly my experience. Once I put my food down entirely, then recovery could ensue. And that was six years ago by the grace of God and I passed. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. And Karen M., you're up, followed by Matt M. Did I get that right? Karen M., star one. We can't hear you. Okay, Matt M., if you're available, if you'll... Oh. Hi, can you hear me? I can, just barely. It's Karen M. from New Jersey. Go ahead, Karen. Thank you. Hi, good morning. Um, Wow, what a great reading for a Monday morning. Um, What I have found is that um, complete abstinence from sugar, flour, and wheat are what I need to do in order to stay recovered. And for me, it's not... It, it is the craving, so once I ingest the sugar, um, I can think of nothing else. You know, that is what happens is that I become completely obsessed and I want more and more. But the other thing that happens to me is I become the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde that is talked about in the big book. Um, I become a different woman. I want to isolate. I don't want to talk to people. I... I become completely obsessed with the food. And so for me, I am so grateful to recognize, yes, this is me. I do have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And as long as I put this substance down, I can pick up the steps and I can live a life beyond my wildest dreams. And so today, yeah, sugar, flour, they're my heroin. And today I choose not to take that into my system and I get to, to think differently, clearly, stay close to my higher power, stay connected to program, all because I, I accept that I have the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And once I make that decision that I know that those foods are the heroin, now I can, I can live in those steps. And I'm truly grateful for each and every one of you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Karen M. And Matt M., you're up, followed by Kim G. Yes, here. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., compulsive overeater. Uh, that the action of alcohol, these chronic alcoholics, manifestation of an allergy. It's true for me. Um, if I eat something that's on my, off my food plan that has sugar in it, I, I, I create the physical allergy. I'm already way far gone before I pick up the food in the first place. The mental twist has already taken over. But then when I take the food into my body, then I'm already actually one of those allergic types that can never safely use food in any form at all. And once I have formed a habit, I found I cannot break it. Once having lost my self-confidence, my reliance upon things human, my per people, my sponsor or program, I pop my problems pile up on, on top of me and become astonishingly difficult to solve. It's true. And then I have a lot of people, I have people in my life who are saying to me, Matt, what are you doing to yourself? Stop eating. I had doctors tell me to stop eating. I had friends told me to stop eating and I'm going to kill myself. But that didn't matter to me. 
We want them in the food. Nothing else matters but that next next compulsive eating or compulsive bite. So for me, I have to learn that it's not worth it no matter what I take. And that that donut isn't worth it. That piece of pizza isn't worth it. That uh, my, worth my sanity and worth worth my uh, my well being and worth my um, serenity. And I'm taking it one day at a time. It's not easy. There's days I have good days and bad days, but um, I realize that that extra little bit of food isn't going to help me any more than it is. Never really, never really does help me at all. It, it puts me behind the eight ball every time. And I'm grateful that today I don't have to binge. I don't have to um, get into the food like I like I've been doing. I can just keep myself um, together one day at a time by surrendering to this process. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. And Kim G., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Good morning. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive and reader from South Jersey. And, oh, I, I always shake when I read this because it's so – this was an education that I needed after decades in OA. You know, I put some beautiful descriptions of the allergy and the idea that craving only happens after I ingest the foods and – there's a difference between the freedom from the allergy and the freedom from the mental obsession. So, so for me personally, you know, when I put down the food, the first one or two days, I'm pretty okay. I have enough of that stuff running through my system. It's day three to five, three to seven, that my body is screaming for that food. And that's the, that's the craving. That's the physical allergy. But then after day seven, maybe I'm two weeks, three weeks out, and I'm coming to OA meetings and I'm saying, woo! The mental obsession's gone. Whoopee! God took it away. God hasn't done anything because I haven't done any step work. What I'm feeling is the freedom from the allergy not being triggered. At three, four weeks, when I want that food more than anything and I'm saying that I'm being tortured by the cravings, I have to understand, according to the doctor's opinion, I'm not craving anything because I haven't had the food in me. That's the mental obsession. That's the need to do these steps. That's why when I put down this food, I need to get into step work right away. You know, it talks about we can never safely use alcohol in any form. So I have to tell you, when I came into Overeaters Anonymous, I didn't want to stop eating. What I wanted you people to teach me is how can I have three Oreos and be satisfied? That's the same as if somebody's allergic to strawberry and breaks out in a rash, and what their hope is they want to have the strawberry and control the rash happening. That's insane. Because what happens is once I ingest that food, I had that first bite, the only thing that's guaranteed is I'm going to want that second bite. I'm going to want that third bite. I'm going to want that fourth bite. And because of this physical craving, that fourth bite, I'm going to want more than I want the second bite because that craving is going to continue to to, um, intensify and never satisfy. So this frothy emotional appeal, I want to touch on this too. What does that mean? That frothy emotional appeal is the people that love us, our family members, our friends, our doctors who are imploring us, please stop doing this to yourself. Because what they're looking at is what the food is doing to me, and they're wondering why I'm doing it. But I, as a real compulsive reader, know what the food is doing for me, and I'm wondering why the heck they're not doing it. So what's going to reach a real compulsive overeater? It's someone who's got a message of depth and weight. And who are those people? That's the beauty of a healthy Overeaters Anonymous meeting. I'm a group of people who, have, who are real compulsive overeaters who have recovered and have a message of depth and weight to tell you how you can recover. That's why we need healthy Overeaters Anonymous meetings. And what makes me sad is when an Overeaters Anonymous meeting becomes frothy emotional appeal. 
Well, we tell people, don't worry, honey, we'll love you till you love yourself. Don't worry, honey, you had a slip last night. Don't worry, you can have just one. That's a message that will kill the real compulsive overeater, whether it comes from a doctor, a family member, or a person in Overeaters Anonymous. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And Melissa C., you're up, followed by Janice M. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And I'm just looking at the time. Okay. Um, Yeah, so, you know, holidays are a really interesting time to get some information. And um, I like now um, observing the average temperate eater. You know, when I think about, like, temperate, um, it means that there's some variation in the way that they can eat. You know, they can overindulge on Thanksgiving. Like, I see the people around me that they skipped lunch, you know, um, and they made it, like, one big meal in between lunch and dinner. And they can have dessert. They can even overeat on Thanksgiving. And I watched my family around me um, unbutton their pants, you know, and still take another piece of pie. Everybody was sort of laughing and enjoying themselves, complaining about how they overate. Um, Now, I don't know what they did the rest of the weekend, but um, I know that if that were me, there would be no rest of the weekend. Um, My weekend probably would have been continuing to eat, and today would have been the day of hell. And so I I think, like, if you're not sure, do I have this allergy? Well, if you were overeating this particular holiday weekend, see how you feel this morning. And, and yeah, um, maybe this morning you're full of resolve because I've been there making all these promises that, um, all right, I'm going to be good now. I'm going to put it down at least till Christmas, right? Um, And maybe I could muscle my way through today. I'll be really uncomfortable probably, but maybe my mind is on a goal. But come see me Friday after the work week. And um, and if I were in the flu, Well, Melissa, we lost you. I don't know if you lost me or not. Oh, there you that. go. You're back. Go ahead. Hi, yep. sorry. Okay. Yeah, so by Friday, I don't know where I got cut off, but I know that by Friday I would be crawling out of my skin, and um, and that has been my entire history. You know, I have to be 100% food sober um, before I can do anything, and had I picked up anything, even small amounts over Thanksgiving, um, I would be crawling out of my skin and probably uh, not able to make it the week. So if you're not sure, you know, this is a good week to find out. Thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Melissa. And Janice M., you're up next, by, followed by Sandy C. Well, thank you again, Lisa. This is Janice M., and I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Um, this is so interesting um, how the doctor, this is his second letter, and he mentions this the second time. If you notice, if I put an arrow on the opposite page, right across from, of course, an alcoholic must be freed, he's mentioned the same thing 
just uh, in the in the previous page. He's mentioning the same thing. So of course, to me, is naturally, <laughs> naturally, somebody has to be entirely abstinent, which means for me, he's talking about the physical a- allergy, which means for me and for us chronic compulsive overeaters that I can't, I cannot start eating my compul- my um, trigger food. I just can't. That's that's the entire abstinence. It's not about what I'm thinking at this time. I can't pick up that first bite. And then the thinking comes. But we have to get this physical part of it first because it's got nothing to do, you know, what I was thinking. It was looking of what my, what, what happened when I physically picked up my experience of picking up my trigger foods. I'm a chronic alcoholic in the sense of being a compulsive overeater, that it's habitual. It has been habitual for me. I mean, you know, for my husband, like like was said, you can eat, you know, maybe too much on Thanksgiving. But I have been habitual. I've been chronic um, since age eight that my physical, and it's, it is a psych a psychic disorder that it's re- it's resulted repeatedly with me and my experience in excessive use of whatever um you know uh trigger food I had it's you know I don't <laughs> I can tell the difference between eating my 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 trigger food versus uh, asparagus I don't get that phenomenon of craving with asparagus. I hate asparagus. I mean, I just wouldn't put it in my stomach because it doesn't give me that uh, uh-oh feeling. I hate it. So you see, what what they're telling us here is, you know, medical science is, is skilled in drying me out. You know, diets are good for me. They were good for when they how they lasted. Because I would go on this diet, I would uh, I wouldn't have this particular food, and I would lose weight, and I would feel good. But I couldn't keep abstinent, and that's the real problem. That's the quitting is not a problem. You know, many of us have quit. You know, we know that. But it but I've done it many times. But the problem is that I can't I cannot stay quit. And that's why I can't pick up that first bite. It will it will just start the ball rolling. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. And Sandy C., you're up. Hi, um, I'm Sandy C., um, compulsive overeater. Um, I'm fairly new to a vision. Um, I called in for my first time. It'll be two weeks tomorrow. And I wanted to comment on um, also on the phenomenon of craving. Um, I have only had one abstinent day, and it was actually Thanksgiving. Um, and I know that for me, um, sugar or salt, if I have either, and it isn't everything. I went just on the Internet to look up different words for sugar, and I don't know where they come up with these names or where they come up with this stuff. Um, and But the once I have the craving, I feel that it's up to me um, at that point to, as my sponsor and other people from a vision have been teaching me, to get out of myself, and it says that we re- just read 
that in nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves. So I have found my way back to my faith. And I am learning that without a power greater than myself that I cannot do this because I'm powerless over this disease. I am powerless and um, I need a power greater than myself to pull me out of it. And I'm learning slowly, but I'm learning surely. And um, I just, I enjoy this line. Um, I just want to say that you, this meeting this morning and what we're talking about is a real lifesaver for me because I actually happen to be craving um, really bad this morning. So, um, and that with that, I'll pass. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Sandy C. And before I take another uh, list of names, I'll just remind everyone where we are. Um, we are in the doctor's opinion, the fourth edition of the big book, beginning on page XXVII, at the very last paragraph. Of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed. Reading through three paragraphs, ending in if they are to recreate their lives, and we're commenting on all three paragraphs. And who would like to comment? Lisa from Boston. Katie G. Larry M. Larry K. Okay, okay, okay. So this is what I have. Hang on. Um, I got Lisa B. Katie G. Larry K. Leia M. Was that Barbara E? Yes, ma'am. Okay, let's go with that lineup. Um, Lisa B., if you'd get us started, followed by Katie G. Good morning, Lisa. This is Lisa B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you for your service. And I am so grateful to be in this meeting of um, OA, A Vision for You, where the study is in the big book and this doctor's opinion uh, is so powerful for me. It really, it just blew blew the windows, blew the roof off of any concept of being recovered or what recovery looked like. Because when he says we can never, these allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all, I had never been told that as a person that has um, been afflicted with this illness of compulsive overeating. I had never been told that. Now, maybe I was told, you know, I really should say it this way. I probably was told that I wasn't hearing it or I just thought, oh, no, they're making too big of a deal. I don't know. Maybe that's what I did. But for whatever reason, when I came to this meeting and I started hearing recovered voices talk, and when I went through this reading with my sponsor, having had two or three days of being free of my alcoholic substances, um, this began to become alive for me. And that's, that's why this reading is so powerful and why I need to hear in a clear mind because my illness tells me, it's okay if it's like fifth or sixth in the ingredient, or it's okay if you go to a restaurant and have a little bit of salad dressing or ketchup, or it's okay. That's what, I lived that way for many, many years. I lived in the middle of the road solution for many years. So what I wanted to share today as a recovered compulsive overeater is the reason I need to be totally clear of these substances is you know, for me, what happens is it muddles my mind. I don't always go out on a crazy binge like a mad woman on the substance, but it affects me. It dulls me. It dulls me. And for whatever reason, the way my illness is, is it just dulls me. And it may or may not cause me to go out on a binge, but I become blocked. I just become almost deaf and 
blind, but I don't know that I'm living like that. And when he talks about recreating their lives, you know, I always wanted to recreate my life since I was a little girl. I just felt like my life was screwed up from the time I was like maybe seven or eight. And when I look up the synonyms of recreate, it means refreshing, regenerate, rejuvenate, repair, restore, resuscitate, revitalize, revive recharge. You know, I wanted all that, all that and more when I came here. I was in enough pain to say I am willing to put down all the food in all forms, whether it's the fifth or sixth ingredient, you know, whatever, and get entire abstinence and get really, really clean. I desperately wanted to recreate my life, but I can't do it. I need to be able to lay hold of that power that's always set inside of me that's just been buried under all this other garbage inside of me that I didn't even know was there. So I'm so grateful for a healthy meeting like OA, A Vision for You, where this is our, this is the basic text, you know, of our program. And I'm so grateful to take it apart word by word and really apply it and live it and experience it, experience it, not just hear it in my head. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. And Katie G., you're up, followed by Larry K. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic. And I'm starting my timer in Boston. Yeah, so grateful. Thank you, my teachers. Um, One of the things that I've gotten some calls recently with people who are saying that they are recovered and they're not sure. KDG, should I go back to step one? Um, I'm having a little bit of a problem with quantity or I'm not having sugar and flour, but I'm having this and that. And, um, you know, it's not up to me to determine whether or not you're using, you know, there's <laughs> there's nothing that I can do to, to change your mind or whatever. But doctor's opinion really tells me very clearly that if I'm a chronic compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic, which I am, I can never safely use food or food behaviors in any form at all. So if you are struggling and you're recovered, but you're thinking, I can't stop overeating on carrots or whatever, or ketchup or mustard or something, and you can't break it, and you've lost your self-confidence, that's not a recovered state of mind and body, right? So we want to ask ourselves, like, does the frothy emotional appeal that I hear of, well, I'm recovered now. I should be able to eat that now. And I'm not speaking from a place of, like, holier than thou. I get it. I've been there. I've rationalized and justified and defended my right to eat certain foods. But DOCOP is taking that away. It's saying, you know what, guys? If you have a problem with these substances, then you're going to rationalize, justify, and defend. But normal people, like husband doesn't say to me, you know what, I doctor is telling me I have a problem with this, but it's not fair, and I should be able to use this, and I'm a grown-up now. Like people who don't have a problem with the food, they don't rationalize, justify, and defend. So, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll suggest like, It's not up to me to tell you whether you're back at step one, but if you're using food in any form at all, which is what the doctor is telling me, if I'm using food or food behaviors in any form at all, whether or not I go back, whether or not I say I'm recovered or not, or all that craziness, which frankly, who cares? 
I'm at step zero. I am using food again. And so for me, it has meant humbling myself at times in this program and saying, you know what? I'm not recovered. I'm using exercise bulimia. I'm lying about the food and I am caught and I need help. And it doesn't matter. I'm not here to perform. I am here because I'm on death's door. And if I don't treat this like I'm going to be on death's door, I, I, I'm, I'm losing out. You know, so being recovered is a wonderful place to be, and it requires maximum attention at all times. And I'm going to keep walking this path with all of you shoulder to shoulder, God willing, one more day. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie G. And Larry K., you're up, followed by Leah M. Hi, good morning. Thanks for your service. Uh, Larry K., uh, recovered compulsive overeater. You know, it says uh, frothy emotional appeal which means long-winded, you know, emotional appeal, that, that's not going to suffice. That's rarely, rarely, if ever, going to be enough. And the message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. In nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. So no, the reason why I can't stay abstinent has nothing to do with the bio- biochemical illness of alcoholism or addiction. It has zero to do with the biochemical illness of addiction. The reason why I can't stay sober is because I have a spiritual problem. I have a moral problem that keeps me blocked off from my higher power. Yes, I have a moral problem along with the insanity of the mental obsession. And here's what I, what I tell people I think they should do. I wish someone would have encouraged me to do this sooner, but eventually I got it. Go out there and try to stay clean while acting immorally. Try to stay sober while lying, while cheating, while manipulating, judging, being selfish, angry, depressed, abusive. Good luck with that. I certainly tried to do that. And and you'll need luck because it doesn't work. But I encourage, I implore everyone, maybe it's more frothy emotional appeal, I implore you to do it. See, it's kind of like how a magnetic field orders iron filings. You know, you can't replace the filings, but the magnetic pull stays the same. I can't change the magnetic pull. You know why? Because no matter how much I want to change the magnetic pull, I don't have the power to do it. But what if I found a more powerful magnetic pull? What if this pull, my creator, would change the patterns completely What if this power changed the way I thought, the way I felt, and the way I acted? And it doesn't matter what I call this power. It's not me. It's a power outside of myself, and it's it's greater than me. So for me today, what I'm grateful for is I understood the doctor's opinion because you'll never see the steps through and become unblocked if you're still debating within yourself whether this is reality. Either this is delusion and we're all spinning our wheels or it's real. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Larry Kay. And Leah M., you're up, followed by Barbara E. Thank you very much. Their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. You know, it became clear when I looked at my eating history 
um, that there were certain foods that created that phenomenon of craving. I could look back from the time I was a little kid watching this disease as it progressed um, and identify those foods and those ingredients um, that were creating that craving in me, you know, an effect. It was an effect. I got a buzz. Uh, there was a way to get an artificial sense of peace uh, from digging my fists into cellophane bags and bakery boxes. But even when I would put those things down, and I did it hundreds of times, I had a much worse problem because when I was abstaining from those binge foods, ingredients, etc., when I was off of them for a while, I would start to feel very uncomfortable, deprived, impatient. I was on edge. I was restless. I was irritable. I was discontent. I was jealous. It was much like holding my breath underwater. Tick-tock, tick-tock. TikTok. I mean, there was only going to be, you know, a, a, a moment of time before I had to catapult myself out of the surface of the water and take a breath because those feelings, those thoughts would crowd my mind and get so loud that I had to shut them up. And the only way someone like me, a real compulsive overeater, knew how to shut them up and get relief was to eat. And I had to get an education from someone in whom the problem had been solved that the big book calls that the obsession of mind, and that's my main problem. My real problem is in my mind because it gives me permission, it convinces me to pick up that first bite of foods that are killing me. And that explained why I had stopped thousands of times. How do I stay stopped? How do I stay stopped? I had to get an education from someone who had this experience because they had pressed into these same steps and had had their lives recreated. Abstinence and recovery, more than just simple elimination of my binge foods, more than that. It was going to have to be a rebirth, a restoration, a wholeness, a soundness of mind that was going to come through the implementation of those steps. So if you're new or not so new, I'll let you know there is hope here. When you're through compulsive overeating and when you're convinced like I was convinced, there is a way out. There is a way to live without having to compulsive overeat. But you've got to not eat in the beginning, right, to experience a new way of life so that you won't. You'll recoil as if from a hot flame. You know, the same person will eat again. You've got to not eat to experience a way of life that is the secret of the 12 steps. Physical solution abstinence is not enough for a compulsive overeater of my type. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And Barbara E., you're up. I'm sorry. Did you call me Barbara E.? I did. Oh, okay. I was unmuting. Thank you so much. I had a mental resolve not to share today, to put the cotton in my mouth and pull it out of my ears, but there you go. I'm a compulsive. For me, for me, a compulsive overeater. I am a volume eater. I will eat anything to excess. For me, I had this craving that would come over me. I'd say, well, just this time, I'll stop at a fast food restaurant and get something salty, floury, spicy, fatty, just this time. But of course, a spree followed, and then remorse, and then resolve not to do it again. 
but it happened over and over again until there were no between times. Even National Diet Day every Monday didn't stop me. Midnight didn't stop me. I suffer from the disease of more. I'm a volume eater. And when asked to identify my allergic foods, I couldn't do it. And she said, well, write down everything you would go to when you're feeling bored, anxious, angry, all those emotional things. And everything boiled down to, for me, fatty, salty, spicy, things that come in bags um, with salt in it. That's where I went. And she said, well, are you using Splenda? Not the other, but Splenda. And I said, yes. And she said, well, try not using it. And I did. And she said, well, what did you think? And I said, it didn't make any difference. So for me, sugar was not the issue. It was wanting more, 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 more of everything. I can go to a restaurant and be perfectly fine. I give my order. I order mindfully. No carbs, no sauces nothing out of a basket. I eat it, I come home, and that's wonderful. But when we eat family style, I eat for the whole family. So I weigh and measure every single thing, even though it's been all this time. And that frothy emotional appeal always grabbed me. Lose 10 pounds in 10 days. Eat whatever you want, whenever you want, and it'll work. It didn't work for me because I always went back to it over and over again. I had to understand that I must not give in to that first impulsive, compulsive bite, the the craving, the obsession that I could do it and stop tomorrow because I couldn't, couldn't do it. I'm so grateful. Oh, thank you. I am so grateful to be here. Beautiful Monday, everyone. Thank you, Barbara E. And we have time for two more shares, if anyone would like to take them. Monica T. Monica T. Craig F. Linda D. Sorry. Okay, Craig F. and Linda D., I hope you'll stay on for the second hour. Um, I have Monica T. and Judith R., I believe. Monica, go ahead. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. The doctor's opinion here. We believe, and so suggested a few years ago, that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation, an indication, a qualification of an allergy, an abnormal reaction that the phenomena, the fact of craving, intensely wanting, is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. Well, you know what? I didn't like this news at all. This was not sounding like any fun. But pain had brought me here. I was miserable. And I couldn't stop eating, and I didn't know why. And they're telling me here why I have an allergy to certain foods. If I put that food in my body, it sets off this abnormal reaction of craving. I want more. And when this craving develops, 
I have no control over the amount I'm going to eat, and I hope you're timing me, I forgot, <laughs> or when I'm going to stop. And this is limited, they say, this, this phenomena, this fact that I have is limited to me as a compulsive overeater. And a normal person, a normal eater, never experiences this. They don't experience this. You know, that explains why they can have a bite or two and they're just so full. It's so, no, 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 no. You know, I could never understand that. What is wrong with those people? But Dr. Silkworth is hammering it over my head here. Monica, you have an allergy to certain foods. So that's why it was so important with my guide that I identified, wrote down, what these allergic foods were, and I knew what they were, you know, that I couldn't eat without wanting more and more and more. I had to put them down. And I did put them down many times. You know, every time I start a new diet, I put them down. Of course, we're going into the mental obsession of why I couldn't keep them down. But here we're talking about this allergy thing. I've got this allergy, this abnormal reaction. Man, that's a bummer. But you know what? It's a fact. It's a fact. And this is what I've got. And there is a solution. It's called don't eat those foods and you don't crave. What a concept. And um, I guess I'll pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. And Judith R., you're up. You have about two and a half minutes. Thank you. This is Judith R., recovered in Vermont. And last night I was reading this part with... um, someone whose first language is not English. And so I was explaining to her what frothy meant. And I explained that it's the top of the beer. It's, it's just air. It's just bubbles. It's just air. There's nothing to it. And I finally saw, wow, Bill is showing the difference between frothy and depth and weight. So the frothy has no, there's no substance to it. The, the beer, the Diet Coke has depth, has depth and weight, and we have been, well, I have been in the past guilty of using frothy emotional appeal with myself a lot, and also as a sponsor. You know, the whole thing about you'd look prettier and you'd feel better, that is frothy. And only when I started to understand the depth and weight that is right in these pages of this book did I understand oh, that's what I've been supposed to be doing all these years. Not frothy emotional appeal, but the depth and weight of 12 beautifully delineated steps that we're getting right now. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. Um, Thank you, Judith R. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Uh, The share ID for today, Monday, November 27th, at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 10,716. Again, that's 10716. And thank you to um, Team Monday, uh, Janice M, Esther F, Allison L, Craig F, and Elizabeth H. Appreciate your service today. And we'll now close with a reading from the big book on page 164 followed by the serenity prayer. And will Craig F. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yeah, hi, this is Craig F. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Go ahead. 
Oh, good. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Get freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.